uh, you, you had set up what we called Wolfie Tank and you had me on and, you know, just going through with my friends on just kind of developing something and then trying to bring it to light. You know, that that was the first taste I got of it, you know, starting something. and. Brian has that entrepreneurial spirit that started in college that sparked his passion for selling ice cream at a zoo and real estate. Learn about my conversation with Brian to find out his path to entrepreneurship, computer analysis, and more. His passion for taking and trying new ideas isn't always failing forward, inspires me to look at my own path and look at how he didn't get into the major he wanted in college and still was successful. I didn't get into my intended major, um, but that did that did lead me to um, technological systems management, which, you know, in all, was a really good thing. Welcome to the Find Your Path podcast. My name is Dave Acker. I've always been interested in how life and career intersect. As an innovator, entrepreneur, and educator, there's always challenges to our journey to define success. We plan to talk to everyday people to learn from their experiences so we can set our own paths. Today, we're joined with Brian Tong, solutions architect at Paddle. He's also the owner of an ice cream store and a real estate developer. Brian's a Stony Brook University graduate. He brings a wealth of knowledge and experiences to our discussions. Welcome, Brian. Hey, David. Thank you for having me. How's everything? Everything's going great. So tell me, how did you own an ice cream store yeah so ice cream right so i mean it, it really just begins with the idea of like what you like what you're passionate about so i always did have this drive for food you know i find myself cooking just just about everything every day um okay. but you know there, there was that part of me that was in that sense entrepreneurial i did have that young fire you know i'm like 22 23 year old out of college finally have a little money to, you know, do something with. So I did see an opportunity out by the Bronx Zoo. So I, I, I found a guy who had a permit for one of the mobile food vending carts. So basically had an ice cream truck. Um, and, you know, especially with some of the things you've taught me in terms of project managing, <laughs> right? keeping a budget, I, you know, I, I started throwing some numbers together and I figured, yeah, I think I could make some money doing this. And, you know, it, it does take a lot to pull the trigger and take a big risk. You know, I think that initial investment was roughly $20,000, $25,000, right? Wow. At a young age from someone who didn't have anything, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, it, it was a big jump, um, but it's definitely a good experience. Uh, it was fruitful. Um, that led that opened the door to many other experiences, none the least. But um, yeah, I mean that that's how I got into that. Wow! And do you still own the ice cream store? So unfortunately, I ran that for around two years, and then okay. COVID actually came into that last year, and then oh, uh, wow. you know, with with the shutdowns, that that more or less killed it. Um, you know, in that time, I did start looking for other things to do to, in, in a sense, supplement my time and income. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, I, I found real estate to be that next uh, jump. So I did spend most of my time doing that. Um, I think it was actually just last month, I got rid of the last bits of the ice cream uh, truck. I actually sold the truck uh, that last <laughs> month. So yeah. 
Wow. So, so you still had to have the truck and get rid of all that to get. Yeah. Through. Yeah. Just all the assets that were um, sitting around the freezers, um, just, you know, all those small materials like cups and whatnot. Um, but, but there's value in that too. So. Oh, it definitely is. Now, did you have an employee running it or were you based there all the time? So uh, I was definitely based there, I'd say 90% of the time. Reason being, um, ice cream is a very seasonal business. So finding good seasonal workers is so difficult. I've run through, you know, countless employees, you know, summer hires, um, you know, right. but one day they'd come to you and just say, yeah, I'm not coming in. And suddenly you're, you know, yeah, you've got a loss, a lot of lost revenue. So you just learn to do it yourself. <laughs> Oh man, that's kind of hard. Now, what do you look for in an employee when you did try to find a summer hire? Were there like qualities that you felt really exemplified somebody that would work out well? Uh, so, I mean, we, we do have to think about uh, the type of employee, right? In a sense, uh, doesn't have to necessarily be educated. It's relatively low skill, right? Just um, some basic math and scoop some ice cream. So I don't think I personally and particularly was looking for anything in particular just that they were available able body and willing um but that even that seems to be hard to come by sometimes <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine somebody especially somebody who wanting to be there during heavy season when there's lots of people wanting ice cream can get difficult in trying yeah yeah i remember my busiest days which were uh, around spring break time uh, any Wednesday, because that was the day the zoo was free. And it literally looked like Times Square, uh, just hordes of people. You, I wasn't, I could not put my hands down for a second to take a breath. Um, I typically sell out by noon, um, believe it wow. or not. And yeah, you, I, I think in a given day, I was making like, well, I'm, I'm on my best days, of course, like $4,000. So it, it was, it was crazy. Well, that's great. And where'd you get the entrepreneurial spirit and what made you start this? Was it just something that you saw an opportunity or did you always feel like you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Uh, you know, I think that it slowly got nurtured through college. Um, there were a lot of, a lot of my peers that I did end up looking up to. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll just name one of them by name. Uh, so I'll give him credit. Uh, so Sean Kang, he, he still is quite a mentor to me today. He's a little older than me, uh, but you know he always had such an entrepreneurial mindset. He's an engineer as well. And he always just had big ideas. And he always encouraged me to follow some. Uh, so actually, in, in the, I accredit some of it part to you as well. Uh, you, you had set up what we called Wolfie Tank. And you right. had me on and, you know, just going through with my friends on just kind of developing something and then trying to bring it to light. You know, that that was the first taste I got of it, you know, starting something and, you know, the idea of you can make a lot of money this way. You know, money is a big driving factor, too. So through all that, um, through that first kind of initial passing into it it got my brain churning. So now I can, everything I started doing, I started thinking, how can I make money from this? Can I do a business? <laughs> and then okay. I just always take it from there. Now, what is Wolfie Tank? And what was that that helped you to move forward from your college days? 
Yeah, so Wolfie Tank was, in a sense, if you know the show Shark Tank, um, you know, there were a panel of, in a sense, angel investors, and they had they they were actual angel investors. We got their information and everything, but we would stand up there, pitch some some idea, uh, which we had you know developed into at to some degree, and then um, yeah, after the pitch, you know, you're you're actually trying to secure an investment and try to make this come to light. Um, you know, the result of what we had, it, it was a self tinting sunglass, um, you know, using electrochromic uh, technologies, obviously, wow. we didn't know that, but uh, <laughs> it's out there, <laughs> look it up. It's used in yeah. cars today a lot now, like the very high end cars. So the sunroofs will automatically tint on a click of a button or something. So that's great. Yeah, I think automatically tinting is great. But that was years ago, they didn't think about that yet. Yeah, yeah. So um, but yeah, ultimately, that the Wolfie tank, yeah, it gave us a way to uh, connect with people with money, uh, resource, and you know, bring our idea a little further along. That's great, and I think that really helped your entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, thank you, Dave. <laughs> You're welcome. But wait a minute. You're. We started talking about ice cream, but wait a minute. You were you an engineer in college? Yeah, but that's actually a really big roller coaster of a story so okay coming from immigrant parents um there, there's like a really big thing about being a doctor so I actually came into Stony Brook as a, a pre-med biology major um I knew that wasn't for me ha having taken like AP bio in high school and whatnot uh, so like on a whim I started doing electrical engineering and even then I in a sense, failed from that. So I didn't actually get into- What do you mean, you failed? No. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get into my intended major, um, but that did that did lead me to um, technological systems management, which, you know, in all was a really good thing because it does open your mindset outside of just hard engineering. Um, like, okay. I don't know how to explain that better, but <laughs> instead of like, the traditional sense where you know they're true scientists sitting at like a lab you know fiddling with chemicals or electronics all day right. um technological systems management really turned me on to in a sense like pming like i i guess i didn't know too much outside of school or just, and pming is project management yeah to some degree like there there are other things in the engineering field that doesn't have to be engineering okay <laughs> and that's what really turned me on to that um, but yeah, that that is and that is what I ended up graduating with. So I, I was a technological systems engineer. <laughs> Congratulations, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and but now I know besides the ice cream store that you're just selling or ice cream truck, you're a solutions architect at Paddle. What is that? So yeah, solutions architect, a, a role that is something I really like. Um, I guess the best way to just plainly put it, you are in sales. However, you are still an engineer. So you deal with integrations past that initial sales point. So you deal with all the technical um, people in a sales motion, but you also need to know the technology to the point where you integrate it for them. Um, so yeah, and it's a really humbling role because you get to speak with all the C-level um people at different companies so c-level meaning 
uh, like CEOs, CTOs, CFOs, okay. COOs. So, right, you these people, everyone hold in such high regards, but you do find out that they're just people, um, and right. they're just you know just trying to get something done. Um, and and yeah, they you don't treat them any differently. They don't treat you any differently, and it's great. <laughs> That's great. It seems like it's a great job. So, what's your biggest challenge when you're working with these CEOs, CFOs, whatever else, as a solution architect? Yeah, so there's two parts to it. There is the um, the integrations half, which is the actual technologies. So, you know, any product is not necessarily turnkey for another person. It might not just work out of the box. So it really is understanding their system, their architecture, knowing how your technology works and bending it and twisting it so that it will accomplish what they need out of your product. So you're yeah. trying to integrate your product with them and you have to adjust it so it meets their objectives. Exactly. So um, I, I guess I don't want to bore you with like any specific examples because there's going to be a lot of jargon. But uh, the, the second half is is the sale, which is really cool, too, because there's actually a lot of business and strategy on a I guess you can call it like a macro level. So it's like, how do we sell this to this person? What you have to think about their personas. What do they care about as a business or like their role in the business um, and, and how to proceed from there? So there's like a whole psychological level to it as well as a business level. It's, it's very interesting to be seeing it and being taking part of it, having only known, you know, physics and electromagnetism and whatnot. <laughs> so besides all the integration, you're doing the sales and you're trying to get them to buy the product in the process? You don't have a colleague who actually does the sales pitch? We do have a sales, we call a sales associate uh, counterpart. We, we call them account executives. So, you know, they tend to lead the commercial half. So when you start talking about the actual contracts and whatnot, but my real goal is to get the technical win and okay. as well as sometimes, yeah, the product win, uh, like more on the, COO, CFO level as well. Oh, okay. So you're trying to merge the technical side so they understand what they're trying to do and how your product really helps. What is your product? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Paddle is a one stop shop payment infrastructure. So, what you can think of a lot about today is um, everyone, just about the whole world on Stripe. Um, but then they begin to experience difficulties in payment acceptance. So in certain countries, maybe their payment acceptance is low due to Stripe not being um, as widely trusted in those areas and with those banks. So then they start adding on more and more payment gateways. And then before they know it, they're managing 100 different uh, you know, integrations with different platforms. Paddle has already figured that out. We already use and have integrated those hundred gateways for you. And we become the merchant of record where we handle all the transactions for you. So we see this with uh, small to large companies. So we have right. uh, companies like GeoGuessr, uh, BlueJeans to all very small mom and pop shops that you know <laughs> no one would ever heard of. Yeah, but they just need some way of processing, taking payments, and you can do that with all kinds of different systems. 
Exactly. Yeah, we it, it's it's really funny to think because it's such a mission critical thing, right? Everyone needs to get paid and that's why you're making your product. And like paddle paddles um revenue model which is genius. So, you know, we don't charge any monthly fee. We take a percentage. But when So you take a percentage to... of the transactions that somebody's doing. Yes, that's correct. Okay. So, um the revenue, so 5% of the revenue. Uh, but when when you look at it on a bigger scale, like what companies end up seeing themselves paying just to collect money, it's typically upwards around like 10 to 20 percent. Wow. So they're spending 10 to 20 percent of their dollars earned just to collect those dollars. <laughs> OK, yeah, that's a lot of their profit and what they're trying to make. If they can save 5 percent and use paddle, that really is helpful. Yeah, it really is. Now. This sounds like a real interesting field. Did somebody inspire you to get into this field or is just something that you stumbled upon? Yeah, it really is something that I stumbled upon. It you know, it's it's good to have a like 3, 5, 10-year plan, but I find most times you can't even see past a month. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, starting in school, right. Even that was a roller coaster, right. Going from biology to electrical engineering to technological systems management. Right. I'm bouncing around, you know? So at the time I was more of a, it, it, it it's, it's sad to say, I think a lot of kids are more beggars than choosers. So they'll kind of take what comes their way immediately. And that's, that's what happened to me. I landed my first job as a, um, test engineer, systems and test engineer for general dynamics. So okay. I moved out to Connecticut, was working on a, was in a shipyard working on submarines, right? You were in a shipyard physically and there were submarines all around? Yeah, yeah. In Groton, Connecticut, general dynamics, we make uh, the submarines for the U.S. Navy. So oh my God. a few days uh, underwater, <laughs> keep it at that. What do you mean? You, you went into the submarine and you had to go underwater and see if the stuff worked? Yeah, yeah. I'm not actually sure how much I'm allowed to disclose, but yeah, no, we do we do testing. There's um there's times where you know you're sleeping overnight, the alarm sound, the boat goes completely vertical, uh, because it's doing its systems test and whatnot. It has to go through every protocol it it knows. And you know, you slide from one end of the room to the other. <laughs> yeah, and that, uh, we're not gonna go too deep into that because I don't want you to reveal too much, but that sounds really cool. Now you did that for how long? Yes, I was there for about a year and a half. Um, what, what led to my change was I was relatively unhappy there in the sense of I moved away from my family. Yeah, they were not too far, like two, three hours away. But again, I couldn't see them on a whim. Um, and if you you're know, close to your family, it's really hard. So Exactly. Um, and this is something I find, right, with any job or at place in your life, uh, the three things I find I think are most important, which determine how long you're, you, you end up staying are like, what are you doing there? So your function, who are the people around you? So the people, and then um, the location. So like, where are you? And based on those three factors that will generally determine, you know, how long you end up there. So, uh, so we me, want to rate those three factors from general dynamics. Yeah, they're all basically very close to zero. <laughs> <laughs> Not, nothing wrong with the company, just just my preference. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. so 
that that led me into looking elsewhere. Um, you know, look with my current with my current skill set at the time. Um, I didn't think I was I wasn't very confident in being able to make it back to the city. So that actually led me to uh, begin a boot camp. Uh, you know, one of those coding boot camps. A coding boot camp. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So you know, I began that process. I was enrolled for roughly a month to two months. I learned so much. It is such an intense experience. Um, so anyone who has done one or is planning to do one, I give them a lot of respect because I didn't even finish. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, a month in, uh, yeah, I did learn so much to the point that I decided to start applying to jobs. And with the little t- with the little I did learn, it was enough to get me through the door somewhere. So I said, you know what? The, the goal of doing this was to get a better job and right. I got the job. So what's the point of finishing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't want to tell your employer that. <laughs> yes, that's true. But I mean, I, I'm not there anymore. So that led me to, <laughs> that led me to uh, LDRA Technologies. It's a, um, it's a software company based out in Liverpool, UK. And they sell a, what was it? I, I'm just trying to find the best way to uh, describe it software compliance for mission critical devices there we go i got that but wait a second you just said liverpool uk and you wait a minute you did say you wanted to be closer to your family in new york city did you have to go to liverpool uk and work yeah good good catch no it it was um it, it was to head up the northeast region of um of of ldra so okay okay was, that's better i just got really nervous i'm like going wait a minute that didn't jive <laughs> <laughs> no no yeah good catch good catch no yeah so that was a remote job so i did get to move back home and with my parents at that time um and work from home and that was uh, wow. an amazing experience now was that pre-pandemic yes that was pre-pandemic so i was there for yeah, all four years pre-pandemic, and um, I got to do a lot of traveling. Uh, so it was a very similar role. It was a, a field, they called it field application engineer, okay. which in a sense is, yeah, like that sales engineer, that integrations engineer, but there was also some post-sales in that too, in the sense of uh, like a support engineer. So wearing many hats at this company, they were very lean. <laughs> wow. And now you were doing that, and did from there jump into real estate or how did you get into real estate yeah so uh this job you know working from home gives so much flexibility to anybody that you can run out and do whatever it is you want to do uh so so as long as you know you keep a focus and get what you need done so with that during that time that's actually when i ran the ice cream uh bit that's when okay. I started real estate as well. Um, you know, I had, I was able to just work from anywhere and do anything. So all my real estate business um, in terms of development is out in Philadelphia. I was actually just there on uh, Monday wow. handling a court appearance case. Uh, it's, a, it's a very litigious process, just, just so anyone who's interested. So lawyer up. <laughs> so what, what do you do in real estate and why is it a litigious process? Yes. So I participate in tax lien sales. So, you know, fact of life, taxes and death. 
Um, so when people don't pay their property taxes in certain states, such as uh, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia specifically, uh, the government's able to auction off your property. Okay. So we bought property. Um, there, there happened to be existing tenants uh, who were the descendants of the actual owner, uh, but mm -hmm. who were not the owners. So you know, we did acquire the property. Uh, you know, down that line, uh, we had to evict them. Uh, things got thrown out, and now you know they're suing us. So <laughs> it, it's good to know the rules and what to do. You know, through the right channels. You know, eviction court. It, it, it gets it gets very dicey. Right. And is this your first property or? So this one is my first one out in Philly. Um, yeah. so, so we've already sold. I'm already looking for another property. I have property out here in uh, New York City. So um, I have a two bedroom condo here. Um, I rent out part of it. I uh, live in the other half. Um, okay. I do on top of the development, I do real estate sales as well. So I have my uh, license. Oh, wow. You have your license too. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good time for anyone in their late 20s. You'll find that a lot of your peers begin buying. And uh, it's a good way to make some significant side cash. <laughs> That's great. Now, you're a person who has a, has an ice cream, had an ice cream shop sold as an entrepreneur, now into real estate, doing the solution architect. How do you manage and keep yourself organized with all this? Yeah, so you know, the biggest thing is have a calendar. Um, I, I, I'm not even gonna lie. I knew this was coming up. I didn't know when. I saw my calendar today when I woke up. I was like, "Oh, that's today." See, like you wouldn't, <laughs> you you really just wouldn't be able to keep organized with so much going on if you didn't have a good calendar. So okay. that's probably like the biggest item. I I would uh, recommend anyone start being good about a calendar. I'd like to use my Google calendar mm -hmm. and then spreadsheets, 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 spreadsheets. That's for any <laughs> accounting finances uh, and, and just past that, just organizing any thoughts or um, just putting things together. So I have like a spreadsheet for everything, my personal finances, any businesses. Uh, I know there are a lot of tools out there, but I'm a little cheap. So, <laughs> well, no, cheap is great. I, I'm all with you. I find if you can use Google Sheets or Excel or something and you get it at a good cost, it provides the access you need to do everything. Why do you need to go and use QuickBooks and all this other stuff if you don't have to? Exactly. And, and what's also really nice is having that engineering background. There's a lot of uh, scripting that I just do on my side. Um, okay. Yeah, it's actually good to have that engineering background because I always bring that into whatever I'm doing, um, even from the ice cream to real estate. So, um, you know, I've written scripts to help automate different processes, um, you know, with just finding the right property, determining its value uh, and all that. Well, that's great. Now, do you feel like you've had help from somebody? or a mentor that really you rely on when you have questions? Yeah, so, you know, what I find, um, yeah, there's always someone to look up to or to be learning from. 
Uh, I don't, I wouldn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be a mutual relationship. It can be totally one-sided. <laughs> I think that's what it is most of the time. I see someone, I, you know, look up to them and aspire to be them, try to understand, get some knowledge from them um, always. So yes, with this real estate bit, um, I, I, that first property, I went half, half with someone who has many properties. Uh, oh, wow. That's actually what opened the door, ice cream to real estate, believe it or not. Yeah. He saw me uh, sweating away outside in the hot summer sun and said, hey, like, let me teach you how to make some real money with little work. <laughs> uh, you know, I go okay. out. On yes, definitely do your due diligence. But um, so wait, you, you went know. out on a limb. He, you met him just when you were selling ice cream. He came up to you and said, let me teach you how to make some real money. Go ahead. Yeah, he he took me out to these auctions, right? It, it was really scary handing over, you know, $20,000, you know, alongside with him to purchase something. Um but but in the end, right? Like you, you do need to put yourself out there, meet people, network, um and just trust some people too. Uh but but in the, but yeah, ultimately, yeah, it's there's always a mentor, there's always someone to be looking um uh, looking for guidance and advice. So yeah, I tend to always any venture I try, I try to bring someone in, um, you know, whether they are uh, not necessarily in line with the product, but it's always good to have a second set of eyes. Definitely. Now, I'm curious about this guy who just walked up to the ice cream shop, or ice cream truck and said, let me teach you how to do real money. Is he just outgoing and he's like, saw you and said to do that? Did you stalk her up this conversation? How'd that go? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't just uh, the first thing he said to me. I, I guess <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I shortened that quite a bit. But, uh, you know, um, he'd come out every now and then. And then, you know, we, we'd go out, get a drink, um, talk. We got along. And then eventually, you know, that, that question did pop up. And she's like, hey, like, do you want to learn how to make some really money? It was clear he was successful. You know, he was um, basically retired. He was, uh, I wouldn't say like very young, but you know, he wasn't fifties or sixties, maybe in his mid mid forties. Um, okay. He was retired already. Uh, he had taken me out to Philly, show me his properties, and I was like, "Wow, this is he's legit." Let me let me learn. Right, that's great. And the first time you went to an auction what happens at an auction i've never been to one so i i don't understand yeah so this specific one i don't want to speak for all of them but it is almost like what you see on tv when they do like auctions so um they'll there's a panel up front and they're they're going through the property names or, you know that's so when one gets listed so they're like 4143 mantua avenue uh people just start jumping up and then you you scream your your bid so you know, it's <laughs> this this particular one started at thirteen thousand. You know, everyone's going up by one thousand. Someone jumps up, so it's like fourteen, fifteen. Then someone goes to twenty, thirty, forty, <laughs> and it, it's it's rather nerve wracking because you 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 gotta shout across the room, and then also like this money figure that you're just about to like invest and lose or right. not lose, but you know, pay uh, on the spot. So uh, it was a very surreal experience, and it it's become a saturated market. So there's actually, okay. like, there were like 200 people in that room. Oh my God. 200 people bidding on the same property. Oh yeah. There's a lot of people. Okay. Yeah. But there's a, it's big profit margins so because of all the risk involved. Right. So you don't know 
the current state. You don't know if there's tenants. You don't know if it's uh, you don't know if it's burnt down. Uh, obviously, you do your due diligence, but um, right. uh, in the end, uh, you that's why it sells cheap, like below fifty percent of market value. So wow. you know, once you get it, you can get lucky. You know, put a little elbow grease in it, or even sell as is, and you'll you'll make a pretty penny. Okay, so there's definitely opportunities for big upside, but there's high risk because you may get something where the roof's falling in. Exactly. So that's why it sells so low. Everyone's factoring in a full reno. Okay. And you have to just renovate the whole thing as you're doing it. So. Yeah, yeah. This specific one came in poor quality. I'd say it was probably maybe like a three or four out of 10. Um, you know, everything was still structurally sound, but it was old. Everything was in a sense falling apart on the inside. We went with the full gut. Uh, me and my partner did have some differences in terms of what we wanted. So we actually just left it gutted, sold it and still made a 50% return. So wow, crazy, right? <laughs> no, but that's great. I'm proud of you because that's really shows that even taking a risk, you're able to do something where you didn't do a full reno renovation of the whole place. You really felt that was good, but that leads a question that I had you obviously find communication to be a really important skill you've seen it at your current job you've seen it at ice cream how do you think somebody who's starting off their career can really develop that communication skill even where you said you and your partner didn't agree completely you had to work it out yeah you know communication is key um relation you know between relationships people um it's it's hard to say how to work at that. I feel like it really is just, at least on my side, um, how I've learned, it's really just learning to voice, you know, what's going on in your head. Um, otherwise, you know, no one can read minds, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. nobody can read minds. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm still figuring it out too. So I I, I think that's that's all I can say. <laughs> no, that's fine. I I think you're great at taking that kind of risk. I'm not sure I can just go and turn over 20,000 to a property I haven't seen. That would just scare me. <laughs> yeah. Brian, what is one experience that you had in your career that really would inspire people? Yeah, so, I mean, it wouldn't even be a professional or entrepreneurial thing. It was a personal experience. And that was building a car. So I, I don't know how many petrol heads we have out here, but if you look, you can give it a quick Google, um, Ariel Adam. Uh, you know, I was really passionate about cars, but those are, it's a very expensive hobby, obviously. And so, you know, I was trying to be really scrappy and, you know, I, I saw that car and said, I could, I could build that, I think. Um, but it, it's a rather seemingly impossible or complex task. But in the end, I think that's how I really, I, that's how I learned to break down a really complex, hard problem into very simple, achievable tasks. So, right, you start thinking, okay, what is a car? It, it stops, it goes, it turns. So then you break all those systems down. It's so like, all right, how does it stop? It's just wheels that or rotors that get uh, pressed by some calipers and then follow that hydraulic line back to the brake pedal. Right. And then it's like, Oh, so you built the car from scratch. Yeah. I welded the chassis, right. Even that, like I didn't know how to weld before then. So you just right. go out there and learn how to weld. <laughs> um, 
yeah, and yeah, it takes it takes time, and and that that also showed me in a sense persistence. It wasn't a straightforward thing, right? There was, I think, I had a two solid months where you know everything was put together, and it wasn't running anymore. It just wasn't running at all. So you oh, know that wow. that discourages you, but you keep at it, and that that does speak some level of like finding something you're actually passionate about and like giving it your all. Um, yeah, I was crazy in a garage for eight months straight, you know, hammering away, but I got it done. <laughs> well, that's great. Building your own car, that's really an accomplishment you should be proud of. Yeah, yeah. And I and I hope people can, you know, take away something from that. And I, and I think it's really that you can do anything. And I think just knowing how to ask the right questions and breaking things down to their systems and understanding it, um, that you can accomplish anything. And I think that's why I'm a solutions architect. That's, that's kind of what, what I do. <laughs> that's great. And I think that really shows that you use that experience to develop into what your career is. And it gives you that great basis. Yeah. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that experience. Mm -hmm. Brian, this has been a great conversation. Thanks so much for taking the time and being so interactive. And I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm I'm glad you had you, you thought it was worthwhile for me to come on the show and uh you know happy to come back anytime. <laughs> Great. I look forward to it. You've been listening to the Find Your Path podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Dave Ecker and our career coaches. Special thanks goes out to my lovely wife who is always supportive of all our efforts. If you have any needs for coaching and career development, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter, or our website, ourcareercoaches.com.